Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. All right, today is Wednesday, May 6th, and Elon Musk, our tech grand poobah, is a dad. Elon, uh, Elon and Grimes, I don't know who Grimes is. Do you know? Who's Grimes? I, I don't know I don't if she's like a scientist is. or a musician or a lawyer or a firefighter or what, but... Uh, a techno, techno scientist. A techno scientist? Is that what she is? Okay. No, no, no. I have no idea. I have no idea. Oh, well, I went to her Twitter <laughs> profile and I can't even understand it. Um, I'm just imagining something. somebody in a lab coat with goggles on, you know, disc jockeying. Yeah. <laughs> wiki, wiki, wiki. And anyway, so... An explosion uh, in a test tube. Elon and Grimes, they have a baby and I believe it's a boy. Uh, but the news this morning is... Well, do you want to take a guess at what his name is? Carl. <laughs> I was trying to see if you would try to pronounce it before I did. And his name apparently is X, which is the unknown variable. So Grimes went on Twitter to explain what this is all about. And then the AE ligature, which is when you have two letters that are combined into uh, one glyph. So like one letter, it looks like, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is apparently the elven spelling of AI. Right? Artificial intelligence. Elvin. And the last part of his sense. name is AE12, which is, and I got a kick out of this, the precursor to the SR71. She wrote the SR17, which Elon then corrected. But she says the SR71 is their favorite aircraft, which I think is cute. I don't know. <laughs> Do you and your wife hey. have a favorite aircraft? Uh, no, I don't think my wife has any opinions about that. But uh, if I had to have one, I'm pretty sure that the SR-71 would, would fall in the top three. So I'll give him that. that yeah, that thing is true. wicked fast. Yeah, I'll give him that. I can remember being like eight and reading about it. And uh, there was some stat about it taking two and a half miles just to turn around. This is going so fast. Oh, yeah, because it's going anyway. so fast. Sure. I forgot most of the stats from that. But I, one of my favorite things about the SR-71 is that... Um, it, to design it for the mock speeds that it could go, which keep in mind, I think they have published that it would go like 2.8 plus mock speed, right? Mm -hmm. um, if, if that's what they published, there's a good chance that they, they broke other barriers too. But um, obviously wicked fast. But as a result, even though it was very high up in the atmosphere, oftentimes it, it got so hot from airspeed that on the ground it literally leaked everywhere so that the material properties when it was going at speed allowed it to seal up so yeah everything moved enough just from material expansion that when it was flying that fast they had to to leave so much space to let that expansion happen that on the ground it just bled that's incredible that, yeah that's incredible. It, i love those kinds of things from an engineering perspective yeah. it's just brilliant yeah all right. Well, now you all know the name. Uh, go Google it. Have some fun with that. Whatever. I don't even know how you would say that though. But it's I don't know X how to say that. AI A twelve. And I feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna be that public uh, as as a couple, which I don't know, maybe this is totally unfair, and you're gonna name your kid something like that, which is great. I mean, go for it. It's your name, kid's name. But that's I guess their problem. But um, have fun with it. But you gotta have like a recording of you saying it. I mean, come on. It was the point for us to just guess. It's like, oh, okay. Your son is an equation. There's all <laughs> an equation. There's all kinds of uh, 
of There's Twitter the equal stuff sign. out there already. Like the pronunciation is the Windows boot up sound or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Old modem sounds. Yeah, yeah. Or like, yeah, the dial up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get some 12 baud out there. All right. Uh, that was a little fun one to, uh, to kick it off. Yeah, that's great. Um, and for those of y'all on Twitter, um, you might have seen some changes going on there, but Twitter is testing a new threaded conversation layout. You might have seen, uh, I believe they started it on iOS and the web, but drawing lines, basically just trying to make it easier for people to follow conversations. And they're even playing around okay. with labels for the tweets, whether you are the original author, you know, the, the, the OP or just somebody that was mentioned in the tweet or you're following the tweet. All that stuff is in trial mode, but trying to make it easier it's for people to, to jump in and participate. That makes sense, too. I, I don't know. I guess it's it, the more you use Twitter, the more you just kind of get used to the interface that it has. But it's not that intuitive. And I guess I wouldn't have thought about it until they said, hey, we know it's not intuitive and we're fixing it. Oh, oh it's not. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, following conversation tracks, especially not that this comes up in my Twitter profile often, but when you've got thousands or hundreds of people responding to things, it just becomes a mess. And you're kind of like, well, wait, who's responding to what? I kind of collapse these. You want me to yeah. dig down into that piece of the cup? What am I reading well, again? Figuring yeah. out Twitter almost felt like a rite of passage for me you know, <laughs> five years ago, right? Understanding how to use the platform uh, and use it correctly. You know, whenever you get involved mm -hmm. in some sort of online community and you learn the lingo or learn how it functions and how to participate sure. becomes a rite of passage. But at the beginning, I think, didn't they fix this, but you don't have to dot at people if you want like a, a direct tweet to not be private. Right. Oh, I don't know. I thought they changed that. And, and that's one of those things is like, I can't not do it. It just feels yeah. wrong. I'm just right. afraid it's going to go into the abyss. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they didn't fix that, but I, I swear I read that a little while back and it, it made me think of it when we were talking about the, two spaces after a period yeah. and how that's dead now right that's that's your two spaces after a period and twitter is a dot at right well this will help newcomers right and maybe it'll drive up daily sure. active users and all that kind of stuff for them so it's a business it makes sense yeah, oh, uh, yeah. one of the other things they are looking at doing um, they're running some tests to users offering the option to it, it prompts you to adjust your tweet replies to people, right? If it detects harmful language. Um, so or creepy and so cool say, at the same yeah. time. <laughs> Are you sure you want to say this? And right now I think it's only focused on replies, you know, and I've seen, I've already seen a bunch of comments on this on Twitter. Um, some people are land on the side of, Hey, let them, let them publish what they think. Right. You know, one from a free speech thing and two from a, you know, if they're going to say something you know, ridiculous, let it be out there that way, you know, we mm. know who we're dealing with. Right. And the, um, the public can, can deal with that person as they need to. And then, you know, there's people obviously on the other side that say, you know, the more we can kind of pull back on the dumpster fire that some of these conversations <laughs> can tend to be the better let's, let's remove the toxicity. I'm curious what you think. Would you rather Twitter give you a warning or? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I personally need warnings a lot. I, yeah, I try same. not to get angry at anyone on the internet because it's just a tremendous oh, waste I get of time angry. and energy. I just don't talk about it. Like, well, yesterday no, okay, I found but out it's... some stuff and I almost <laughs> went crazy. No, I didn't almost go crazy, but I wanted to. Like everything in sure. you wants to go and say, hey, go at it. I can't believe these people are doing this, right? And call them out. But I you sure. know, just didn't because I don't want to start a... Well, anyway. that's the thing. I feel like it's feeding the trolls, if you will, right? I think, right. unfortunately the anonymity that online presence can offer you, especially because you, there's something dehumanizing about just being 
you know, a, an image and a, and a name on a platform like Twitter. Yeah. Well, there's people, a space between like anonymity. their colors just come out, right? Well, no, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like some of it, like true anonymity, like yeah. I don't know who you are because right. you don't represent yourself correctly online intentionally otherwise. But then also just there, there's something about the gap that comes with a mobile yeah. system or, or an online system where because you're not looking a human in the eye, you right. kind of start to think, well, maybe they're not human and you're just yelling at the internet which is yeah. hilarious. There's an XKCD for this, right? And it's just oh, like, you know, hold, hold my beer. Oh, yeah. Somebody's wrong online. That's and, right. and it's just like, I'm going to go fight. And, and it's over just the silliest stuff, right? But yeah, our I, old I man think, yells at cloud, those kind of things, yeah. I think, I think especially um, not to make this pandemic related at all, but when we're forced to be more social through online tools, I think some of the most popular platforms doing things like this just to help everybody remind themselves that this is public. And imagine yourself standing in, you know, a piazza in Italy and yelling at someone about this thing using language you're about to use. Would you do that? Yeah. Because it's the same here. And and people just they just don't think about it that way. Right. So I, I like I like the idea of the system reminding it because if you could hear everything that went on in my head, you might not like me as much and I'm okay with keeping some thoughts inside. And I think some people have trouble remembering that that's how the internet works too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The the adage of whatever it is you're putting in email or putting on Twitter or whatever, imagine that pasted across the the front page above the fold New York times, right? Sure. Because it has the potential to be there. You know, and I think that argument that says no, let them be who they are online. I'm not sure that that's fair, because I don't, I don't think people angrily yelling at someone passionately about something is who they are. I, I think most of your interactions with people are filtered, and that's okay. It's very human, right? Yeah. So having a permanent record, or even worse, one that gets you know shouted from the hilltops of your angry moment is not representative. So if, if all it takes to stop somebody from being incendiary is, uh, hey, are you aware that this might not be something you want to say? That's, I mean, rubber stamp. That's, that's a yeah. more representative of who they are, right? So you're sure. passionate, you got angry, and you controlled yourself. Welcome to being an adult. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, well, I've got another. So this runs into another news uh, story. And I'm curious your take on this. So I'll, I'll start with the connecting point here. So Facebook has said, gosh, I try not, I try so hard every single day <laughs> not to talk about Facebook on this podcast. It's so ridiculous. <sighs> okay, I'll do it anyway. <laughs> Facebook has said they're taking aggressive steps to stop misinformation and harmful content being spread on their platform, right? We know that. What this is specifically about is around the, <laughs> this conspiracy theory of the 5G rollout being oh, um, e- either aiding in the spread of the coronavirus or causing it, or that the coronavirus is a myth and all Absolutely of this stuff that's absurd. happening is all due of to those. 5G. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm, and I'm about to have Maya yelling on the internet the right, 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 right now. <laughs> Where's my warning? Hold me back. Non ionizing radiation. It's not okay. Anyway. Uh, so YouTube has also said they're going to remove any videos that link 5G and coronavirus. And I don't like the way they worded that, just yeah, to call them out on that for a second. Because anything that just links it 
you know, what if you're saying, Hey, these, these aren't connected <laughs> or, or yeah. you're saying you know, whatever. Maybe, maybe that just starts yeah. an argument that shouldn't be happening. Right. Like yeah. they shouldn't yeah. ever be discussed in the same space. No, I, I mean, limiting, yeah. Limiting conversation that dramatically is probably a bit much. So I, I'm, I think I agree with your wording problem there, but I'm happy to see platforms aggressively trying to squash misinformation. I think misinformation is way, way, way more dangerous than people appreciate. And, and it's, I mean, this is arguably a small one. I think the level of, um, dude, I thought just, it was small though, but the two, two of the groups that they took down, one of them had 60,000 people in them and another one had 2,500 members. No, no, sorry. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, no, the, I think, I think humans are, pretty good at hopping onto a conspiracy theory and grabbing their pitchforks and their, and their, you know, torches. Right. What I'm saying is that unlike trying to avoid herd immunity through something like vaccinations, which have an incredible body of evidence that says they do what they're supposed to do with extremely low to zero risk. Right. The worst case scenario here is that 5g towers get knocked down. We don't get faster internet on our mobile phones and companies lose some money. That's bad but it's not catastrophic bad. I'm still happy to see it being shut down, but the end result of people being misinformed there is not nearly as dangerous some, as some other things. So sure, that's all sure, I'm sure. saying. Yeah, yeah, like drinking bleach or you know whatever. Uh, but it's, why dude, does every conspiracy theory feel political all of a sudden? Is uh, it just, I'm sorry, there, there actually are right and wrong answers to some of these things. And distrust in science is bad. And, and I think it's how you get to getting angry about something that is just not worth getting angry about. Yeah. Slash should never be questioned. But where are the pitchforks for uh, the ball falls every time I drop it, right? Let's, <laughs> let's go stab gravity. <laughs> No, it's they were for absurd. gravity holding me down. Like, I, I just <laughs> joke. That's a joke. <laughs> okay, all right. But but seriously, with this five G stuff, right? Um, and, and again, I hate talking about things like conspiracy theory stuff because then it gets people's minds yeah, like, so, oh, well, I don't even want to go there. Connected, right? So, but just the, it's the, not. the insanity <laughs> of so this is just in the UK. UK has reported over fifty different cell phone masts have been burned. I don't know if that's wow. one individual being incredibly efficient or if it's <laughs> a crowd of people doing this. Um, but over the past couple of months, 50 different uh, cell phone towers, right? That's um, incredible. And not only that, but it get, it's getting to the human level. Of There was a video on Twitter of a lady attacking or not like verbally abusing engineers out laying cable for 5G. And she's like, you're spreading the... What, you know. Are they wearing shirts that say I'm laying cable for 5G? I mean, let's... Let's go on the other side of that coin. People are crazy. Don't yeah. publicize that incendiary thing that shouldn't be, shouldn't be a problem, but yeah. you, they don't need to know your cable is not just, you know, their last mile of fiber for the old cable. Get. I don't care. Just yeah. how do they know? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Let's move off of that. Um, I'm, yeah. all, I'm all bristling. There's, I'm, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready to. I'm ready to start a flame war on the internet over it. Well, let's uh, let's <laughs> talk about uh, what do you want to talk about? Airbnb, which um, still owes me like two thousand um, dollars from like four months ago now. But anyway, uh, like uh, you canceled a reservation and yeah, yeah, my brother's back. wedding um, was supposed to be here in All May, right. and he postponed it to August. So I canceled my reservation, and I'm going to book another one for August. And they're just still holding my money. Wow. 
Yeah, I didn't, I've didn't called him a couple times. Was... Anyway, whatever. We don't have to get into yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Today is a frustrating episode. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so just just some you know more not fun news with all the stuff that's going on in, in the industry. So J Crew officially filed for bankruptcy yesterday. Yeah. That's not really tech related, but and maybe that's why I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, tangentially, I think it is tech related, yeah, right? Um, sure. I mean, wow. Oh, uh, we could easily make a stretch to probably just about anything in the news and talk yeah. about it. But, but I think, you know, I, I personally didn't have a lot of brand loyalty to J crew, but I'm sad to see, you know, something like that happening. Cause it's a, it's one of those brands I think everybody recognizes at least in the U S right. Mm-hmm. Whether you buy their clothing or whatever else they sell or not, it's sad to see those, sorts of companies in dire straits sort of trouble right and i think we've seen the writing on the wall for a lot of those if they didn't modernize the way that they got people to interact with their business and Mm -hmm. therefore buy things or didn't do it fast enough sure then those are the ones that are having the most trouble right like i don't again i don't know enough about j crew to say well, what generations are or aren't buying or, or, you know, what are the demographics that go and buy their stuff? But something happened that didn't let their brand keep up with the way people who are buying those types of clothes are buying those types of clothes now, right? Yeah. And I've wondered, just seeing some of this news, it's made me wonder how many companies are this close, you know, how many, how many major name brands, you know? I think, I think you could probably name them right i think yeah. almost any department store is probably in in a bad place right now for obvious reasons sure. i don't think that they were killing it six months ago now with malls closed for you know extended periods of times yeah what do you do you just yeah. the, you're the people who well, used people to shop are in your 10 percent of their original like wardrobe <laughs> now you know <laughs> you see that all the time yeah. there's a guy on twitter that said i'm pretty sure my shoes think i'm dead you know that's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have the soles on my feet are a lot better at dealing with dirt and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did buy (laughs) a pair of shoes just because I'm running more and my old ones were literally falling apart. But anyway, um, back to Airbnb as well, which kind of originally, you know, what we were talking about here, they citing revenue declines. They, they just cut 1900 jobs, which is about 25% of their global workforce. I read that yesterday too. And they're saying, their um, anticipated revenue for 2020 is going to be less than 50% of what they did wow. for 2019. So they did 4.8 billion last year. Obviously, you know, if I do my calculation, carry the one 2.4 billion or less this year, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> trying, trying to throw a joke in there, but uh, uh, uh. yeah, I, yeah, that's, I that's incredible. Thinking, how does, how does is that going to be significantly less though? I mean, is how many people are going to Airbnb this year? Oh gosh, yeah. No, I think, think it's 2. all two point four billion worth of revenue. That's a, that's a good question. I don't know. I I have family that you know works in the the hospitality industry, right? And unfortunately, they got furloughed pretty quick when all this stuff started. How how does that compare to like the Marriotts and the Hiltons of the world? Is Airbnb worse off? Are they better? Is twenty five percent actually a good number in the industry, or is it is it a bad number? Are we just hearing about it because Airbnb finds itself in the news, and and obviously is it a disruptor, or at least it used to be. It's been around for a while now. It, in that hospitality industry, are people less likely to share their houses in general going forward? Heck, for that matter, you think about all the news from the past that talks about should we even allow something like Airbnb as a platform to 
get too far away from where it started, which was all about sort of like room sharing and, and renting out your house or, or a hammock and that kind of stuff to basically uh, industrial, or that's not the right word, but um, you know, business run Airbnb. So it's, it's really, it's just a hotel with five locations. But it's yeah. a, it, that's the, it's oh, the I thought you were going to talk about the technology stuff, you know, where no, they, no, kept, no. they kept finding surveillance stuff. Um, oh, that's, that stuff's crazy. All that kind of stuff. But, but I think that's what you're going to get. It's, uh, think about how difficult it's probably, it probably is to regulate the hospitality industry in general. When you talk about all of, you know, the hotels and Airbnbs or, or B&Bs, traditional B&Bs in general, then take that and basically say, everyone now has a hotel. How do you, how do you? regulate that you're going to hear just naturally the law of big numbers and statistical anomaly you're going to get every outlier you can imagine from a, a system like that i think yeah that's a good question how that expands out well i'll have to look that up maybe we can bring it up tomorrow but I, i'd yeah. be interested to see what um you know what the major global hotel chains projections are and i'm i'm curious uh, prediction wise i wouldn't be surprised if they're worse off and the reason i say that is i think for obvious reasons, they're not going to be selling their space as much, right? So rooms are empty, almost certainly. But you can't avoid infrastructure costs. It just in it, think think of like every Marriott property in every city, and <laughs> hundreds of them, right? I mean, you go to Houston. There's there's a thousand Marriotts alone that you can probably choose from. My guess is occupancy is near zero in most, yeah. if not all, of those. And all of the costs associated with that real estate are very real and very big. So Airbnb is getting hit hard, but they actually get to share the pain with all of those, those owners of property, especially the ones that are institutional. You know, they had 12 units that they were renting out. And instead of having, you know, monthly renters, they were looking for daily and weekend renters. The owner of that property is bearing the burden of the mortgage payment. And, right. and whatever loans that they had to sustain it. Airbnb just isn't getting revenue from it anymore. So yeah, obviously they're taking a hit. And presumably, and I don't know the breakdown of Airbnb, so I don't want to speculate, but presumably sure. some of those places aren't, um, they don't have a mortgage tied to them. They might oh, just sure. be somebody's vacation home, right? Yeah, but in know. general, it, even, even those things have costs, right? But those costs, well, the maintenance sure. costs of property like that is not Airbnb's problem. So I'm, yeah. I'm actually wondering, they're in the news. Well, yeah, I know. That's who they are and the brand they've got. Yeah. But my guess is that they're actually going to do better than right. you know, other institutions. With the exception being what happens to them and their growth and the way that they were pursuing this. Do, do people change the way that they deal with Airbnb from a renting their property and renting their space perspective? I think the institutional side of that, the answer is no, like they have to get back into it, right? They're going to figure it out. But even that, you know, maybe cautiously, some of them will probably go to long-term rentals, right? Maybe yeah. it was more profitable to rent it on the weekends and at a higher rate through Airbnb, but it's not worth not getting revenue. So turning it into a, a year-long lease is better now. Sure. So I, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what the long-term um, outlay is for people actually renting properties through Airbnb. Yeah. But I would still guess that they're better off than traditional hospitality. And as we were talking about that, uh, Uber just announced that they're going to lay off 3,700 employees, about 14% of their workforce. They just uh, announced a filing with the SEC this morning. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. 
uh, also predictable, right? And yeah. and right back at it, how does that compare to you know the industry they've disrupted? What do the taxi companies look like right now? Because mm-hmm. they're maintaining all those vehicles that I'm certain that they have notes that are tied to them. You know, hopefully they're getting relief to stay afloat, right? But um, Uber again, it's the infrastructure on the back end and revenue lost, um, but they don't have at least in most places, these aren't full-time employees, right? So yeah, their, their ability are, to scale back is easy. The cuts are to customer support and recruiting teams. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, 14% of their 26,900 employees, which is more than I would have bet for Uber. That's incredible. I know the I scale. Mean, I, it's something I, don't, I just don't think we think about that often is <laughs> if, yeah. if that's what they're recruiting and support. And they have 14,000 people, which is a percentage you know, of the yeah. workforce. That's incredible. Just think, put it, put it in context, right? Yeah. Their CEO is foregoing his base salary for the rest of the year, which was a million dollars last year. I like to see that stuff. I like yeah, to see a, you know, executives good, going with smart. the times and solidarity with the workforce. Yeah, I, I think you have to. I mean, it's... It, I, don't, I don't know. A lot, I don't think a lot don't. Um, that's one of those things I think well, will come out of... I, I think, I think it comes right out of move. any... I do too. I do too. Which in my mind means you have to, <laughs> you know, if it's the right thing, yeah. then you do it. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you, you're right. Not everybody you sees that one. So you're right. All right. I think any, um, any economic downturn, you see that stuff though. Right. And I think that I wish, I wish we touted the ones that were doing the right thing more often, just made a mm-hmm. thing out of it. Right. If we made a bigger stink about the folks that weren't when we think they should, but everybody's also got their own reasons, right? You don't, you don't know what the whole outlay is. So what else you got? Oh man, uh, I, there's a fun one here. Let me let me look at it. Oh, uh, so this is cool. The U.S. Patent Office ruled that uh, artificial intelligence cannot be credited as inventors. Um, something I just wouldn't have considered because it's just not a workflow for me. Yeah. But uh, well, that yeah, reminds so, me of the jukebox thing, right? Where you can abuse the AI everything. to create music and then claim. Uh, uh, copyright on it, right? Is that oh, what you're that's saying? Funny. You're no, saying that artificial intelligence well, can't be granted the say right. They they can't be granted creator rights. They can never yeah. be creditor credited as the inventor or the creator of content. And I actually think uh, some of that ruling came from the so the content side. Um, it's been a couple of days since I looked at this actually, but it's basically saying that the AI itself cannot be credited with the inventor status. So a human has to do it. There are some yeah, really good humans arguments are making against the laws. It, though, right? What about when machines start making the laws? <laughs> well, when the when the machines are the ones that are doing all of the patent, uh, you know, what patent judiciary, right? Yeah, then the uh, then they'll yeah. change the ruling. But no, Step that's it up, machines. I just thought it's, it's funny. It's cool. It's stuff that I don't think about as much, and I, I need to find some good sources. Maybe uh, maybe somebody who's listening knows better where to find like the tech legal stuff because i think some of it's very curious and you'll you'll find these outlandish or at least they seem outlandish cases you know related to well i wrote the ai but now it's its own thing and that ai is is creating new widgets and those widgets are patented to the ai and yeah that's a good call out so if no (laughs) if any of our listeners know anyone that's in tech law yeah uh, please hook us up we'd love to have them on the show and and talk to them talk with us We've got, uh, so I have special interests uh, in AR, VR, um, MR, XR, whatever. Uh, XR, tell it. You got you to lay all those out there, man. Some, yeah. some people may not know what you're talking about. I think augmented reality and... and virtual, yeah, virtual, virtual reality. reality. Mixed reality is, is the thing that, just the thing I'm most fascinated with. But we're going to have somebody so on the cool. show that is specifically, they, they work in that industry um, here in the next... When's Daniel coming on the show? Anyway, 
tech law. If y'all know somebody, hit us up. Yeah, that'd be awesome. No, I love that stuff too. Um, we, I know we touched on it in a couple other places, but uh, I think the future of all of the realities are, uh, are pretty robust and super interesting. What else do we have? Um, oh, I saw a neat article where students are actually requesting refunds for online college experience from, you know, sort of traditional four-year on, on-campus uh, education. And it kind of shines a spotlight on what a, a service level agreement that's being provided by a university. Because yeah. if, if you sign up, heck, I, I would have had probably some issue with at least my undergrad experience if it had gone online completely. I did online, a lot of online classes for uh, my master's, and, but I was expecting it. You know, it was a program designed where I could go into class when I could and I could, you know, because I was a, a full-time working adult at the time. I, I could also do it online. So, you know, on demand, but the kids or I say kids, the, the people who are going to education or going to get their education on campus and all of a sudden with no choice of their own and no control got shifted to online only that's pretty disruptive right some some of what you're paying for is a a campus experience and access to labs and stuff like that Um, can you imagine paying I guess especially private school prices and only getting distance learning and yeah who, who owns that right like is it, are we going to see a change in the way that schools write admission policies where they're going to explicitly state, yeah, it, under whatever circumstance yeah. you're, in you're in of, and we're going to produce education for you or content and that's it. <laughs> it's yeah. your problem. Uh, um, the number of pandemic clauses no. in general. But I thought that one was interesting because, yeah. uh, you know, what, what, would you, what would you have done? Man, I tend to be not that type of person that would have gone and tried to chase money down. I mm-hmm. kind of see it as an experience of learning through the process of, Hey, this is real world, right? This happened, this changed. Uh, how am I going to deal with it? How am I going to thrive in this new situation? How am I going to adapt with the fact that now I do have to learn over distance and you know, how do I overcome those barriers of not being able to get on, uh, on campus or go talk to my professor one-on-one or whatever, you know, or work together with my, my group, you know, adapt and overcome. I, that's where my mind immediately goes to. It's not, um, you know, how Give do me I my money back? $5,000 back. I don't know. Yeah. But that's Shoot, just me. It's college, man. That's a lot more than that. I'm just playing. But no, I, I, I tend yeah. to agree, right? I think, I think most people should just sort of lean into it. But I'm curious too, if, uh, if the educational experience was dramatically reduced, right? If, if you're literally not learning at the level you think you should be, then do, is there recourse, right? Is, is, are you getting the level of service that you paid for? I think would be the argument maybe on the other side of that. I think overcoming it is important, but if you're at a university that just wasn't equipped to actually produce good on-demand yeah. content, what, what do you do? Like what's your recourse? Yeah, that's a good point there, right? So if the university totally just botched the, the second half of the semester, right? I mean, you pay by semester and this, this happened. I mean, it, pretty much started at the beginning of the semester and then lockdown happened mid semester. Right. Mm. Am I off in that? No, I don't think and so. If, that sounds if about the right. university didn't adjust and all of a sudden I got 50% of the class time. Yeah. I mean, maybe I would start to start to think that. What about like so. performance art and stuff like that, where the yeah. only way that you're actually getting the experience you expect is one-on-one time and, and likely, you know, in a recording studio or something. Do they, is the university on the hook for that or, or is yeah. the student and 
you know, whoever's footing that bill. It's, it's, it's a, an interesting topic. Yeah, it really is, man. Um, and I'm a huge college football fan and I'm curious what this is going to be like if we, I mean, I hope we play college football this, this fall. I say mm. we, I'm not playing. I'm, I'm I'll be there. Hearing. But that, that's what the fan is. They, they say we, right? Um, that's awesome. But there could be a lot of interesting things happening there in that yeah. if you have a team an entire year where everyone gets a medical red shirt, everyone gets an extra year of availability or eligibility, not availability, mm. eligibility, the competition is going to be that much higher when you get another oh, yeah. wave of seniors that leave high school. You, you will have that, that, just that much more talent that can be spread across the league. Well, have you heard any rumblings about that? I know that's, that's not exactly tech-related, but it is a curious sort of uh, problem to have. It's almost know. mathematical, right? Like, uh, what, what are they doing with the students that are seniors now and we're about to run out of eligibility? What are they doing with incoming freshmen? I think that one's probably a little bit more straightforward. And are, uh, are college sports teams more likely to ignore some of the guidance and go practice hard anyways, just because yeah. there's distinct advantage to it? Yeah. Well, it's tough when money's at play, right? Yeah. Which there's a lot of money uh, in stuff like this. And there's been some theories that all of collegiate sports for this upcoming school year will happen in the spring. I could see that happening. It'd be tough on some of the dual sport athletes. Shout out yeah. Kyler Murray. I, I don't know. I, I tend to think they're going to go ahead and do it, which I hate even saying because it feels so selfish, right? Especially mm. if it just puts, if it's not the right move right now, right? Then right. whatever, right? It's just sports. But the gut feeling I have right now is that they're going to go ahead and play find a way to test people that will be on the field together. They test negative and they go play, but there won't be any stands or there won't be any fans in the stands, right? There, there won't be any crowds. Interesting. Um, well, that's cool. That's a perfect segue into how technology plays in all of it. Right. Cause I think uh, if you, if you completely take out fans in, in presence, right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're taking funding away from the facilities, right. That's a problem, right. How do you make sure that the, the teams have everything that they need if, if a lot of the on-prem sort of flow goes in there. So what do you think technology-wise, how do you think they're actually going to handle that? Is it just going to be your regular televised game or is, is there going to be you know a, a ballooning of technology that goes in to make it more interactive to try to capture some of the look-feel sensation of being an, yeah. a, a fan in the arena, right? Well, that's, that's an excellent question. And that's just been something that sports – you know, broadcasting has really been about, uh, you know, they've got the, the spider, the spider, I think they call it the spider cam, the overhead cam that kind of flies so the cool. field and all that kind of stuff. Now you have issues be more drone stuff. That'd be cool. More drones. Yeah. Everybody I haven't seen needs any more drones. drones actually. Um, it doesn't in, sound safe at all. In stadiums. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but you gave me an idea though. I, I mean, the, with the spider cam, they can kind of, they can simulate yeah. some of that stuff. Right. But no, man, there's so, Technology injection is absolutely a big thing, right? Getting hotspots, right? Access points, Wi-Fi hotspots, trying to increase the fan experience, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, well, I think we'll what we need to see an advancement in, yeah, in the at-home experience. Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, I, I think, I think it's just obvious. So anyone listening that wants to go develop this in the next, you know, couple of months, right, should just get on it. But I think we should just have artificially intelligent drone swarms, right, that are recording sporting events from every possible angle. Um, you just have them sign a waiver on, you know, Skynet. And then, um, and then it's a VR experience. Everybody can just join. They get their, you know, $2,000 NFL 
branded headset with their $8,000 computers so that they can deal with a billion streams coming from a bunch of AI drones. And uh, boom, everybody's a fan from their, their backyard. Get on that. In fact, All right. let's go start a company. What are the tech news do you have? Because we're going to keep going down this sports rat hole. No, I got nothing. That aren't sports related. I, I think that's a perfect note. Um, I, I think that brings this to a close. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is a lot of fun, too. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, please go find us out on uh, your favorite podcast app. Subscribe. Give us your feedback, as always. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Um, we love to hear from you. And uh, peace out. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry for drifting so far in, in that conversation. I think we kind of walked way <laughs> off the path of technology there at the end. But we did a bit. The we, first we brought it good. back. We brought it back. The first step was good. All right. See y'all. <laughs> Have a great day. Bye, everybody.